I, I, I grew up a lot with my Uncle Rodney. Uh, he either came to visit us, he lived with us a few times. I lived a couple summers with him. Prior to that, when I was somewhere around five years old, um, I, I remember going to visit my grandma. My grandma lived in Bellingham, and I love grandma's house. How many of you remember grandma's house with a certain smell? Right. I thought it was just me. Right. It was a combination of my grandma Chanel number no. five, her cooking, and she had a basement. And and if you know anything about basements, this this basement just it, it, there's just a smell in a basement. How many know what I'm saying, right? I don't want to be crude, but they're, they're, and, and so whenever I was at grandma's house, I, I have this vivid memory of a mixture of her cooking, her perfume, and me and Uncle Rodney, who was about 10 years older than me, I, he was my hero. Uh, we would go down in the basement on the rainy days in the cold weather months, and, and, and we would spend the entire day playing. And, and we were big Hot Wheel collectors. Anybody have Hot Wheels? Come on now. Now some of you are trying to have adult-sized Hot Wheels, and uh, they cost a little more. And, and, and we had quite the collection, hundreds of Hot Wheels. In those days, we'd go to the gas station, and at the Shell station, if you'd fill up your tank, you would get a free Hot Wheel. Does anybody remember those days? Come on. Ooh, I got some people up in here, all right? And so I had a lot of Hot Wheels. I always wanted Mama to stop and get gas. You know what I'm saying? I wanted another. And, and Rodney and I would build race tracks all day hot wheel tracks and we would race every car and do double elimination brackets we would spend the whole day having the races but that isn't the only thing Rodney didn't just have hot wheels he had this little blue radio and I'm not kidding it was probably about this big and the little blue radio had little antennas that you pull out remember those some of you wrapped tinfoil on them how many remember that right and, and he had this little radio, and I thought it was the most fascinating thing because while we were playing, we would wait for our very favorite song. And this radio only had two knobs on it. It was real simple. It had a, a tuning knob. How many remember tuning knobs, right? It was before the day of digital. You know what I'm talking about? It, it was before 100.2 or 92.9. It was you found your own point something, right? You, you, you're just trying to dial it in and and then it had a volume knob so it had a tuner and a volume and it was about this big rabbit ear sticking out of it and we would play hot wheels all day and we were waiting for the poet neil young come on everybody we we're waiting for our very favorite song to come on heart of gold and we would wait and we would play and you know, have you ever noticed about them old tuner radios where you'd get them dialed in and if the if the air shifted wrong or if you sneezed in the room come on anybody know what i'm talking younger generation has no idea what i'm talking about right now i mean if you just breathed wrong or walked by it too fast all of a sudden <laughs> right if you had too much static in your clothes and walk and so as we were playing Hot Wheels and the static would begin to build, all of a sudden, here comes Neil Young. We waited for it all day. You, come on, anybody know Neil Young, right? And that old harmonica would come in to start the song. Whew, I can feel it now. And, and I said, that, that's it, that's it. And Rodney with like magic hand, he'd go over to the tuner. And it just, I was fascinated. It was like he was a magician. It was like, whoa, look, wow. He was, I wasn't allowed to touch it. 
Because I had no finesse. You know, I mean, you got to, it has to move like a freckle. How many, you know what, and and you would hear, I've been to Hollywood, I've been to Rick, come on, Rodney, get it, the song, I've been to Rick, and he'd get it, don't move, don't move. It keeps me searching for a heart of gold, come on now. And I'm getting old. Yeah, man. And when, don't move. And, and we would just kind of softly dance around. Got me searching for a, a little, little five-year-old dancing around. Woohoo! Searching for a heart of gold. In this series, we're talking about hearing God's voice. And sometimes we have to get our tuner. Because he's speaking. See, the song was going. But we can't always hear the song because there's static and there's interference from other stations trying to pile in to what we want to hear. Mm. I feel like, I really feel in the last number of months, for sure four, maybe six, but for the last four months, I feel again like that little five-year-old trying to tune in my favorite song. Because how many of you know, sometimes before you hear God say something to you, you can sense God saying something to you? And before you know it in clarity, it kind of, does anybody, it kind of comes out like static. It's like, I'm not sure if I'm hearing that right. I'm sensing something. I'm feeling something. And, 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 And before the end of last year, I started sensing that God wants to do something new amongst His people. That, that, that while the whole world is thinking everything's bad, God has this incredible ability to play our favorite song right in the middle of the worst circumstance. Uh, but we got to get the tuner right, everybody. We got to dial in. God, what, I feel like that little kid again. Maybe that's why I wrote this series. I feel like that little kid again that's saying, God, I, I, I just want to hear you clear. I think I hear you. I, I think I hear that harmonica. I, I think I hear that famous line I I think I hear it God but but I want to hear more clear I I feel like I feel like you're saying something I feel like you're wanting to move us in a direction hey, hey guys what if what if you're not here tonight on accident what if you haven't heard God's greatest call on your life yet What if God's wanting to reveal one of the greatest breakthroughs, greatest miracles, greatest blessings, greatest ideas, greatest plans right now? And you think all you did was show up to grandma's basement, but God has a better plan for you than that. Wouldn't you say, if God was ready to reveal something, wouldn't you get over to the tuner and make sure that we start, come on, drowning out? I, I, a minute ago, you said you were ready to hear from God. Now you're quiet on me. <laughs> I, 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 I just, we've all asked God. We've all asked God. Uh, we, we've all asked Him for something. We've all asked Him for direction. We've all asked Him for answers. And as we talked about last week, we ask Him for answers, and oftentimes we feel like we get this. Can, can I take a poll? Does anybody, let's go old school, have you ever been waiting to hear a very specific something from God and, and, and you got the static? I think I know, but it, it's kind of fuzzy. It, it's kind of staticky. Uh, I, I feel like if we, if, if we will work real hard on the knob 
if we, if we will really be diligent. Because the Bible says that if you seek me, you will find me. The Bible says if you'll draw close to me, uh, can I paraphrase that? If you'll get over to the tuner, I'll tune in with you. Come on, right? That's what I feel like God is saying. And, 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 um, and, and maybe that's why I wrote this series. And, and so the question that, that we talked about last week was then, how do I, how do I hear from God? I want to talk a little bit about God's will again tonight. And, and, uh, and, 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 and I want to just kind of put our hands on the dial. God, what are you saying in my life? Some of us feel like we've messed up too much for God to still use us or speak to us. Some of us have believed the lie that we're not special enough, we're not good enough, because what is happening is you're hearing other stations kind of crowd in to the station God wants to tune you into. And you feel like you've messed up, and you feel like you're too old, you feel like you're too young, you feel like you're too this, or you're too that, or you're not enough this, and you're not enough that. But what if God wants to speak to you? Speak to, fill in the blank, your name. What if God brought you to, to speak to you? What if your greatest days are still ahead and God is ready to map out just this whole other idea in your life that, man, I'm doing my best to get somebody fired up to the possibility that the God who created the universe by a word might be getting ready to speak to you. Now let me give you a surprise statement that will make you go, what? The Bible says very little about the will of God. What? Wait a minute. Let me finish the statement. The Bible says very little about the will of God as it relates to our futures. Oh, it tells us there's a heaven, but I'm talking about before heaven. I mean, it's all going to be good when we get to heaven, but how many know there's, there's some things that have to be accomplished before we get there? And wouldn't it be great if we knew how every day was going to pan out and, and, and how everything was going to... But the Bible really, it says a little bit about the, what our future looks like. It tells us that He has a purpose for us, um, but it doesn't tell us exactly what the purpose is, does it? It doesn't tell you who to marry. It doesn't say, thou shalt live in the state of Washington. There's no verse that says, thou shalt resign and move to Colorado City. There's no verse that says it. Wouldn't it be great if there was? But there, 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 there's often not verses for some of the greatest questions. The Bible is principles for us. And, 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 but the Bible does tell us not to be anxious about the future. Um, I have, I don't know if you've ever done this. Um, I've become so consumed about what God wants me to be on someday that I forget that He wants to do something today. I've been so consumed with some of the big mistakes that are going to affect my future that I miss what He wants me to do today. And, 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 and uh, when, when faced with life decisions, sometimes we believe there's only one way and, and, and then we have this crazy, you'll hear it a lot in Christian circles, we have this crazy pressure to discover God's will for our life. Has anybody ever had that? Like this crazy pressure, oh, i got to know what God's doing. i got to know, God. two people, is there more than that? I, I mean, I need to know who I'm preaching to here tonight. And, and if we don't, I, I, at least I was brought up this way. I was brought up that, man, if, I'm, if I zig where I should have zagged, my whole life is going to be a disaster. 
right? And so what happens under that theology is you make one mistake and you throw your hands up and give up because you've been so taught that if I don't find God's perfect will, and so we spend all of our time trying to decode God's will because there can only be one will for our lives. And sometimes we have a, a, a paralysis by analysis because we're so afraid of making the wrong decision that we make no decision at all. Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Anybody see those great ungodly movies? Yeah, I love them. And uh, the one where they're going in to find the, uh, the, the, not the Ark of the Covenant, but the, the, the communion elements, uh, um, the chalice, the, the, the cup from the blood of Christ. And Anybody seen that scene? We, we use that line all the time in our house because if one of us does something silly, like have you ever been in traffic and you think that lane's going faster and you shift lanes and you go over there and all of a sudden that lane's the slowest thing you've ever been in in your life? Yeah, well, 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 they go into this room, and there's like this, uh, this soldier there. I call him the soldier angel. He's there, and there's all these cups, and supposedly one is the, 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 the communion cup, the blood of Christ, and, and, and the guy gets to choose. You guys know the scene? He picks the cup, and he drinks, and then all of a sudden, like, he shrivels up and dies. And it's like no big deal to the soldier angel guy. And here's his line. You guys know it, right? The guy dies right there, shriveled up, catches on fire. I don't even remember. And and the angel soldier guy says, you chose poorly. (laughs) That's it? I mean, you just seen a guy combust right in front of you. You chose poorly. So, so if I'm driving, and man, this lane's going too slow, and I get over in this one, and then the car I was behind is now a mile ahead, Janessa will look over at me and go, you chose poorly. <laughs> Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and go, you chose poorly? Some of us feel like that's how it is with the will of God. If I don't get this down, i got to get to church for 20 years, take 20,000 notebook pages full before I make a decision. Otherwise, my life will be combusted and you chose poorly. Some angel will be saying over your life. The conventional idea of God's will is that there's this specific pathway, and if you miss it, you're going to be cursed. You're going to be destroyed. So we work so hard to decode it. The problem in following this conventional idea, uh, excuse me, there's a problem in, in, in trying to follow this conventional idea. I've had to make major decisions in my life, and I'm sure you have too. We've moved cross country more than once. We've resigned incredible positions and turned down incredible opportunities. And and more than once in our life, we've had to make major decisions that I've laid awake at night thinking about. And part some of those decisions, I had this wrong idea of trying to discover God's will. Let me give you three of them real quick. Three problems to the conventional approach to knowing God's will. Number one, these are problems. These are problems, so i got to know God's will or my life is going to be a disaster. Number one, it puts our attention on the wrong priority. So we start asking questions like this. We start, depending on what age and stage you're at, we start asking questions kind of like, uh, who should I marry? Oh, man, if I marry the wrong person. And now, now that's a good question. <laughs> it's a very good question. 
Where do I go to school? I have offers from all these schools. Where do I go to school? What career am I going to have? And, and what state am I going to move to? And what new city might I? What career advancement I might have to move away? All those kind of decisions. And all of those are important. I'm not saying those aren't important decisions. They're important. And they have great consequences in our life. However, in fact, I put this up here because I want you to remember it. However, it's often the decisions after the decision that are more important. I've taught this for years. I taught this in leadership because everyone wants to know how to make better decisions. And I think that's a worthy conversation. But it's the decisions after you make the big decision that is important. It's the decision how you're going to act when, the, when Mr. Perfect that you married is not Mr. Perfect anymore. You already made the big decision. Now what decisions are you going to live with and follow up with every single day? Come on now. Right? It's, it's the, and I think maybe it's the, it's the everyday decisions that have the accumulative effect that sometimes we negate. It's the little decisions that don't get any fanfare. It's the decision that I'm going to come to church and praise my God. It's the decision that I'm going to come to church. It's the decision that I'm going to have a relationship with God. So I submit to you that it's the little daily decisions that determine our success. It's the little daily decisions that have compounding interests that determine our significance. It's not just who I should marry, but who should I be. You're trying to find Mr. Perfect. How about becoming Mrs. Pretty Good? While you're waiting, improve yourself. Come on, somebody. While you're waiting, work on you. you. You don't even know who you're looking for. Come on now. Right? It's the decision after the decision. So who should I marry? Where, where should I go to school? Uh, uh, better yet is what kind of character and ethics will you have once you go to that school? Right? I've become so consumed with the will of God for my life that I've become very selfish and self-centered. Oh God, what is it you want me to do? In other words, how are you going to bless me? What, what, what do I get to do? I've come to learn this. If you live in Detroit or you live in Seattle, it has no bearing on whether I'll live with integrity or not. It has no bearing whether I will live with character or not. It has no bearing whether I will live for God and worship God and pray to my God and attend church and be in. It has no bearing. Where I'm at has no bearing on who He wants me to be. Come on now, everybody, right? Now, let me give a little caveat because there are those few Macedonian calls where God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. But most of the time, God allows us to be planted where, and, and grow where we are planted. Most of the time, He is more concerned with who you're becoming when you're in that place. It's the, watch this. It's the everyday choices. You already made the big decision. You're already married now. You already moved your family across country. Now, now, what choices are you going to make while you're there? What choices will you make when you don't like who you're married to today? Thank you for not amening real loud right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, I got real quiet because everybody's like, I don't know who he's talking about. I'm really happy. Everything's good. 
It's the, it's the choices that we make when life is hard. It's the character that we choose to have. It's the convictions that we choose to live with. Right, everyone? That, that, that's what it is. And, and, and perhaps the Bible, that's why the Bible doesn't say a lot about our future, because God wants us to live for today. God, our people are hungry, Moses says. Good. You tell them in the morning there will be bread that I'm going to send down from heaven. And don't let them collect a bunch of bread. Get them out there and get an omer. Get a jar of bread for today. Give us this day our daily bread. And and, and if you try to get more, the, the bread would rot. Let me interpret that and paraphrase it. When we try to get too many days down the road, our spirit, our soul, our emotion rots. Because we become consumed with six months from now. And I'm not advocating that we don't plan. That's not the point. But the point is, who does He want you to be today? Here's the other problem with the conventional idea of God's will. Number two, uh, is that it portrays God as hiding from us. It's a false and negative view of God. I want you to see this picture of God. Not God trying to hide from us. I mean, there's some Christians you talk to that you would declare, man, God is on a hide-and-go-seek mission with them. And if God decides to hide from us, how many know we're not finding Him? He can hide in places that are a lot farther than I can walk. How many know what I'm saying, right? But remember, I want you to see God. God came to the garden because He desired to find Adam and have relationship with Adam. God came as a baby to seek and to save some of us act as though, we're, remember the Where's Waldo game? Remember that? Uh, God's not some cosmic Where's Waldo. I hope I find him today. Oh, I, I'm, I'm really hoping you show up today. Listen, everybody, God is not a riddle. God, God has a hard enough time with us following His will, so He's not hiding from us. Let me give you an example. When my kids were small, we, it, come on, all of you parents played hide-and-go-seek with your kids, right? And, and um, as they became teenagers, like, you would hide for days and not come out. You know what I'm saying? But, but when they were little, we'd play this little game of hide-and-go-seek. Now, how many know, as an adult, and they're, you know, a year old, two years old, three years old, how many know, adults, we could hide in such a way, I could have hid from my kids in such a way, they would have never found me. I could have got in the car, drove to Texas. Aha, aha, can't find me. Right? But that wasn't the goal of the game. The goal of the game, the joy of the game, was for them to find me. The the joy. Come on, I wasn't hiding so good, depending on age appropriate, right? And, and, And sometimes I'd be hiding, and Patty would be like, you're getting colder. They'd turn around and go the other way. You're getting warmer. Huh? And my heart would, oh, they're going to find me, they're going to find me, oh, this is going to be good. Or, or I would make little sounds so they'd hear me, right? Uh, you know, they'd be pitter-pattering down the hall, and I'm like on the other end of the house, hey, I'm over here. They'd turn around, come running, because the joy was the fact that they wanted to find their dad. God gets off on the fact that you want to find Him, that you're seeking Him, that you want to know what He says to your life. It does great things for the heart of God. Oh, my. I'm sorry, a little too excited for you today. Ah, 
Wow, I, I, I love this. Now we play the game with our little granddaughter, Kennedy. We call her Kenny. And there's this little corner in my office between the bookshelf and the, and, and the corner. And I got her playing this game, and I get her over there, and I put her in the corner, and then I'd sit over on my couch and go, shh, shh, shh. And then we'd tell the whole family, hey, everybody, has anybody seen Kenny? Has anybody? And she'd look at me and go, shh, shh, She'd be staring me down because she was making sure that Grandpappy knew that she wasn't lost. She's hiding over in the corner. She's looking at me, and I'm telling the whole family, here comes Janessa and Patty and Jake and Carmen. They come wandering in the office, and she's over there, and, and, and they all purposely have their back turned to her. Where's Kenny? Where is she? Can't find her. I haven't seen her. So all the while, she's beeline and looking at me. And, and after a few minutes of this ridiculousness, she'll say, ha, and everybody turns around, yay, and she throws her arms up, yeah. And then she wants to play it again. And again. And again. Because I think she loves the celebration of people that love her, seeking her. Seek me and you will find me. The third reason that I believe this is a, there's a problem with the conventional will of God is the future just simply isn't ours to see. Uh, it, 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 see, really when you boil it down, it's our way to control the future. We, we, we want the security of knowing the future. Come on, you know I'm right about this because I'm this way rather than the risk of trusting God with an unknown future. If we know everything about the future, come on, we wouldn't have to trust God. We'd already know what's going on. Uh, and that's not faith, everybody. If we saw the challenges, watch this. It, 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 um, I don't want to put a bad light on ministry, but if I would have seen, the, if the 18-year-old me, after 34 years of ministry, would have seen the heartaches that we would go through as a couple, as an individual, as a family, for being in ministry, I would have withdrawn. If you would have shown me a few things that was going to happen, some friends that would stab you in the back, some, some things that would be said, some rumors, some hurt feelings, some, if you would have told me, the 18-year-old me, I'd have said, no thanks. I would, I would have withdrawn. Hold on, hold on, because it's not all bad. Because on the other side of that same statement, if you would have showed me the successes and the beauty and the, and the incredible things we've got to experience, I would have became self-centered. If we would have seen the challenges, we would withdraw. If we would see the blessings, we'd become so self-centered that I got this. The future might just not be ours to see. So, let me end this. The Bible scholars in the room are going, hey, he's been preaching for 30 minutes. He hasn't even given us a Bible verse. Does this guy preach out of the Bible? Okay, you ask for it. Here it comes. I want to give you four signs that you are in God's will. And I want to take just Paul. And, and I would just want to read one simple little text to you. And, and I want you to keep this by you. Because somehow we've been told that there's all these beautiful rainbows and unicorns when we're in God's will. 
I don't know where we got the idea that when God decides to speak to us, he sends us a little Cupid angel on a cloud. Thus saith the Lord. How many know God might just use something that gets on your nerves and a tragedy and an irritation to mess your world up to hearing him? Come on now. Most of the time, that's what it takes. You know you got to be honest to that. Because most of the time it takes one of those to get us on our face saying, God, what are you doing? Right? Let's look at it. Acts chapter number 20. And now, here's Paul, okay? And now compelled by the Spirit. The blue words are the clue. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are waiting for me. Isn't this a wonderful... Anybody want to go on a mission trip with Paul? I mean, come on now. However, I consider my life worth nothing. Wow. Oh, I I, I just one week just need to preach that statement. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let me give you four real quick out of this. I should have spent more time on this. I apologize. So I'm going to do these a little quicker. If you're in God's will, here's some things you can expect. Number one, you can expect the compelling and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember earlier in the message I said, I don't know what it is. I'm just sensing. Anybody have a sense sometimes? I I, I just feel like God God has me positioned with my hand on the knob. I I, I just feel like that way. I I feel like we're society coming into a transition. I feel like the church world is coming into a transition, and I feel a sense, a leading, a compelling, and God is just saying, I just keep hearing them say to me, just get ready to make sure you're hearing me. There's, there's, a, there's a compelling. How many know a compelling? I don't even know how to explain it. I make a living by using my words, but I don't know what you, words to use because you can't touch it, you can't see it, but it's something that you just sense inside, and it's more than late-night pizza. How many know what I'm saying, right? Uh, the word compel, here's what it means. The word compel means to have a powerful and irresistible effect. It, it, my preacher down in Mississippi when I was a teenager, he would call it the I can't help it. That means I can't help it. I can't help but feel this way. I can't help but this is, I just can't help it. That, that, you, anybody know what I'm talking about here? I just feel like, oh, I just can't help but feel as though God is. John 16, 13. Uh, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. I know I've taught this recently. I don't remember where, if it was a Wednesday night or not. If you've already heard it, let me just give you, just put up with me for just a minute. Sometimes all these sermons begin to run together. But He will guide you into all truth. Who will? The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. I want all truth in my life. Jesus was physically on the earth. He turned to His disciples and said, I'm leaving now. But another, like me, the Greek word is parakletos, another that is me, but in a different form, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus was in the flesh. He said, it's better for me to leave because in the flesh I can only be with you. And Peter, I can't be with you all the time, and you are messing up all the time. So I'm going to leave, so now me, in a different form, the Holy Spirit can now live in you. Peter, that's what you desperately need. And if we know anything about the Bible, as soon as that happened, Peter became a different person. 
And so the Holy Spirit, he will, he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. So the Holy Spirit was in heaven when you were created before the foundations of the world. And the Holy Spirit, because he is a part of God, heard God's destiny on your life. And so when you're wanting to go a direction, the whole, if you're tuned into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will speak to you things that He heard before the foundations of the world about your life to keep you on the track of your destiny. Somebody, that is, somebody needs to hear that. He will only speak of what He hears. He will only speak of what God has said about you. So whenever you hear you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you're not smart enough, that is not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit only speaks truth. And the truth is, you're the head and you're not the tail. And you are more than a conqueror. Come on now. Right? Okay. Uh, i got to hurry up. Uh, let, let me go to John chapter number 10 real quick. Uh, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. If, if you are serious about hearing God, me and Rodney, I'm five, and, and it's like, don't get close to the radio, because we were serious. We, were, we, we weren't playing. When Neil Young comes on, oh. I mean, them race cars, they'll wait. It's like, he is searching for if you're serious get to know his voice I've never called my kids on the phone of course nowadays we've got cell phones they see it's me they ignore me no they don't <laughs> but you know the old-fashioned days hello the cord and all. my kids have never answered the phone and heard my voice and go who's this never's happened two-year-old oh oh hey dad yeah I'll get her they, they know we should know the Father's voice, right? Okay, um, all right, I got to go to number two. Number two, number two is this is the point that nobody's going to like at all. You hate this point. You, you can tune me out, but I'm going to preach it anyway. And if you, if you have the tune me out look on your face, I'm going to preach it louder, okay? You will face uncertainty. Didn't you love in 2020 when everybody was saying what's going to happen during the pandemic? I just sit back and laugh because there's some things we just don't know. And, and here's what's certain is you'll be uncertain. If you're doing what God has called you to do, there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. Remember what Paul said? He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And then what did he say? Not knowing what's waiting for me there. I have no idea. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but God will never give us all the information. Because it doesn't take faith. And faith is what He rewards. Thy word is a light unto my path. It, it, you take this step, oh, and then that step illuminates. And then when you take that step, oh, then that step, and then you take, right? That, that, that's, how, that, that's how it works. It's by faith we get into it. Um, we, want, we want revelation and then obedience. God wants obedience, and maybe He might give us revelation. Maybe. Maybe parts of it. Uh, I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Check this out. Look at all the doubt in this verse. I, I, man, oh, I shouldn't talk about this, but one of the things that made me so frustrated during the shutdown and COVID is Christians talking about, well, I know what's going to happen. Like, no, you don't. I loved all those pro I wanted to go back and pull their 
memories up from a year ago and said, what was that you were saying? Watch this. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. For I will be going through Macedonia. Look at verse 6. Perhaps. I, here's Paul. I mean, Paul has a pretty good direct line with God, wouldn't you say? I mean, come on now. I mean, he, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he has a pretty good you know, connection. And, but he don't know. Perhaps I'll stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I'm not even sure where I'm going. I'm not sure what tomorrow looks like. I like what the old hymn writer said. I don't know what, what tomorrow is, but I know who holds tomorrow. Right? And, and then it says, For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. Look at this. I hope... I hope to spend some time with you. If the Lord permits, Paul, are you sure about anything? One of my favorite Bible stories, I've preached it before, is in 1 Samuel, and, and, and Saul is supposed to be fighting the Philistines, and Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor bearer, they got one sword amongst the whole army. And Jonathan decides, his dad is all camped out, like not going to fight. Jonathan decides, come on, armor bearer, we're going to go kick some Philistine hiney. I mean, and well, it doesn't, that's a Greek for, here, let me give you the Bible verse for it, all right? It's, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. They had to cross a ravine, but he did not tell his father. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Like, he's, he's got an attitude going. And then look what he says. Imagine if you're the armor bearer. You don't have a choice. And he says this, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. What? I, we might die. We might get our heinies kicked. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't sit here anymore. I can't sit here and wait anymore for another three-point sermon to do what God has already prompted me to do. What if I'm wrong? God will still reward the faith. Come on now. The Lord will act. And, and if you, you can read the rest of the story. It's great because they, they won. And it's cool. All right. It's a cool story. The perhaps. The perhaps. Are you willing to walk through the perhaps times? Are you willing to go through the, I'm not sure, oh. But it's the perhaps, it's the uncertain things that keep our faith alive. It is. Perhaps I'll go on this mission trip. I don't know where I'm going to get the money. Perhaps I'll go. Come on, aren't you glad you went, right? Perhaps. Can I just say this real nice? Because I know I yell a lot and sometimes it comes out mean. So I'm going to say this really as nice as I can. Here we go, ready? <sighs> Some of you don't need more information. You need to act on the information you already have. Was that good? Did I? <laughs> yeah, okay, number three. Number three is there will be resistance. I don't know where we've ever been told that because we're doing something for God, it's all just going to be, oh, this is just, oh, woo, this is so fun, huh? Now, where did we ever get this idea? 
I, I, love, I had a businessman probably uh, about two years, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, say, man, I'd love to be a pastor. I said, really? He said, yeah, man, I'm just under stress every day. It would be great to just work on the weekend. I said, I, I didn't punch him. I didn't. <laughs> I had a vision of it, but I didn't. I just, I played like, oh, really? And, and, and literally, here's what he said to me. He said, because, man, the stress. I said, tell me about your stress. He said, man, the stress of paying bills. And I'm like, yeah, God pays mine. <laughs> the stress of making sure the, the building stays open and the lights stay on and the customers are happy and the, oh, yeah, man, it would be wonderful not having all this pressure. Why, I ought to... <sighs> Paul says, I only know that on every city the Holy Spirit warns me that I'm going to be blessed so much I can't stand it. No, he says, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are there for me. Oh, okay. If you're not butting heads with the devil, maybe you're going the same way as the devil. Uh, here's another one. Um, since I'm already over time and messing up my message, I'll give you another one. I challenged uh, in a sermon probably two years ago about tithing and that one of the greatest ways we can honor God is through our bringing back our finances to God. And, and I believe there's so much spiritual principle to that. I won't get into it now. And a guy came to me and said, it doesn't work. I disagree with you. He said, because as soon as I started tithing, all hell broke loose in my life. My furnace gave out. My hot water heater gave out. Started talk, and, and I just wanted to grab him around his lapels and say, what did you think? That you're going to try to do something for God and miracles are just going to float out of heaven? Like, where in life, where, where is the price that any, where is taking up my cross and willing, life is life, everybody. Maybe there's a season of resistance because God wants to know, are you really serious? Do you really love me or do you just love the results of loving me? I, I, that wasn't in the notes, maybe take that out, that seemed kind of harsh. But can I say this? Resistance is part of our call. Everybody, please know this. If you're a born-again Christian and you're pursuing God, resistance is part of our call. So don't act surprised when there's resistance. Everybody's losing their mind right now. Oh, the church days are in trouble. The government's going to do this and the this and the... It's part of what God has already told us. Paul told us this. Press. You're going to have to press. Come on. That means there's going to be some resistance. Come on, everybody, right? Yeah, it's part of our call. Jesus said you're going to have problems in the world. First Thessalonians, I'm almost there. Two verses. Here we go. Um, for we wanted to come to you, uh, certainly, I, Paul, did, again and again. Watch this. But Satan blocked our way. Paul? Satan blocked your way? In, in the Greek, the blocked your way, I put it in here for you. It, it literally means that Satan dug a ditch. Like there, 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 was always a, there, there was always a gap. There, he dug a ditch to dissuade me from doing what God... How many ever feel like there's a ditch between you and what God wants you to do? Watch, watch what a, di a ditch, it's a shortcoming. It, it's a shortfall. There's not enough there to cross over on. Not enough money. 
There's never enough money. Not enough time. There's never enough time. No, I don't have enough talent. It's a ditch. It's always something that's not enough. Okay. Um, thank you, honey. Appreciate it. Uh, number four. Uh, this is the last one. So four signs that you might be in God's will. Number four. You will have uncommon resolve. Despite all these things, despite you're going to face uncertainty, you're going to have resistance, but there's going to be something in you. you just, I, this is what i got to do. I, I just I have to open that reach center. We have to go out and help those people on Saturdays. We have to go on this missions trip. I know we need the money for something else. I know I, I, I know I need this money to pay something else, my, but but I just I, I gotta go. Resolve. Re, resolve is a definite decision, a determining to do something. And, and here's how Paul closes. He says this in Acts chapter 20. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish my race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of our grace. Man, come on, right? I'll give you an assignment for those that want it. I close with this. Go home and read the book of Nehemiah. You ever read Nehemiah? Nehemiah is fascinating. He's up there trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and the enemies are always coming up to him, trying to get him to come down. In fact, give me that verse, uh, 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 Nehemiah 6, real quick. I promise this is the last one. (laughs) So I sent messengers to them. Sam Ballad and Tobiah are trying to get him to come down off the... Right, if you know the story. And Nehemiah's like, I'm busy about the Lord's business. I don't have time to do everything in life. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. The King James says, I can't come down to you. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Why should the work of God stop because we got 8 billion other hobbies we're paying attention to and we can't do anything for the kingdom of God? Just a thought. I know, it's rough. But when your vision increases, your options will decrease. When your vision increases, your options will decrease. God wants to speak to you. God can speak your language. There's personality types. He made you that way. He can speak your personality type. What are there, nine Enneagram numbers? He can speak all nine. He can speak all personalities. He can speak lice. He can speak frog. Frogs go in those people's houses. Don't go in those. That's Moses and them. Lice go attack Pharaoh, but don't, right? He can speak. If he can speak that, he can speak your language. I double dog dare you. Get your hand on the tuner. Get rid of the static. And see what God might say. Let's pray together.